Welcome to China Perspectives, a podcast on economic and credit developments in China, featuring experts from within and outside of Fitch Ratings. My name is Andrew Fennell, head of Greater China Sovereigns at Fitch Ratings. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Jenny Huang, a senior director in Fitch's corporate research team. Jenny is based out of our Shanghai office. She leads a team that produces in-depth research on China's key sectors, such as infrastructure, autos, consumer, and healthcare, as well as thematic pieces on a variety of interesting topics, such as SOE reforms and developments in the onshore bond market. Before joining Fitch in 2014, she worked in investor relations for TSMC, the world's largest semiconductor foundry. Earlier in her career, she also spent time as an equity analyst for CLSA. Jenny. Thank you very much for taking the time to join the podcast. Hi, Andrew. Hi, everyone. One important topic that never ceases to be of interest to investors and other observers of China's economy is government support. Today, I was hoping to pick your brain on a very unique report you and your team have published on this topic, in which you parse through tons of media reports, company filings, and other public records to enhance our understanding of the key motivations and methods the Chinese government employs to support firms in distress. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in. Sure, it's a great honor to be here. Uh, the government support report is a big and interesting project we started last year and finished this year. I hope we can share as many key findings as possible today. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Jenny. Maybe just to start, many analysts, including myself,、uh, tend to rely on, on kind of a mental model for understanding government support in China that reflects the accumulation of of their own professional experiences. And what I like best about your study is that you. And the team have tried to adopt a more scientific approach, and extracted important lessons and observations from your analysis of numerous case studies throughout the years. Could you tell us a little bit about the background or or research question that you were trying to answer? And I think importantly, did you study government support trends for both private sector firms as well as state-owned firms? Oh yeah, sure. Government support has always been a hot topic among our discussions with investors and other major market participants,、uh, as you just mentioned, and especially as the Chinese government has been gradually increasing its tolerance for defaults. As you probably know, since the first public default in 2014, we have seen default rates spreading to firstly non-important SOEs and then to some large local SOEs like Yongcheng Co in Henan. And、we think the trend is likely to keep evolving for better financial resource allocation and leverage control in the long run. And meanwhile, many government-related entities—I、uh, wouldn't say all, but a very high percentage of them—relies on market confidence in government support to borrow. Therefore, it's important to understand who, when, and how the government will provide support to when these entities encounter financial challenges.、Uh, however, due to limited information. Our discussion with investors in the past is usually very high level and only centers a few very high profile cases. So that promised to consider doing a more thorough research on this topic by collecting and examining the past examples. As for private and state-owned sectors,、uh, to be honest, when designing the project, I thought we would have more assets in our sample given their high importance in the credit market, and as most of the high-profile support cases involve SOEs. But we didn't want to exclude POE, so we can have more information on the support channels and approaches. But surprisingly, we ended up with quite a lot of POE cases in our example, which we believe is due to information availability and the results of the support. 
because governments are more likely to walk away when supporting POEs when they find the problem too big to fix due to the lower chance to trigger systemic risk. So many POEs receiving support still ended up in default or bankruptcy, which could raise market attentions and generate more media coverages. Okay, well, well, thank you for that background. And I guess just for all all listeners uh, going forward, I think we'll probably be using shorthand. So state-owned enterprises, SOEs, and private-owned entities uh, will probably use the shorthand POEs, uh, just, just to clarify that up front. So maybe just to start to go further into the background about this research, I'm guessing it must have been incredibly time-consuming because, to my knowledge, there is no centralized government database or repository that tracks cases of government support in China. So how did you and the team go about collecting and verifying the information that you've been able to, to, to extract and disclose? Oh, that's actually the key challenge for the project. Uh, as you said, there isn't a centralized database, so we can only try to be as comprehensive as possible by exploring all the available public channels to collect the cases. Uh, when I say public, that means we do not use confidential information provided by our clients. Uh, the first step was to search our analysts' mind. And luckily, we have a strong team of research analysts that constantly monitor the market development. And second is very intensive reading on company reports by financial and credit market-focused research houses and uh, news outlets. And lastly is keyword search on the internet for media reports, company announcements, and government disclosures. Uh, we also use the list of defaulted entities to cross-check if they have received any form of supports before default. Uh, we have to admit that public disclosure through official channels has been quite limited. Therefore, the sample is unlikely to be comprehensive and may skew towards companies ending up in trouble, as public default often attract more media attention or queries by the regulators. Okay, so it's 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 really an imperfect sample set, but it's it was on a best efforts basis using internet uh, filings, all the public channels that you could find to track um, the the examples of default that you were able to compile. Okay, and and I guess question number one really is how many instances of government support or the Chinese government supporting companies in distress did you find over this period of time? And maybe if you could just clarify what the period of time that you studied was. Uh, so despite the limitations, we still found 32 cases with clear evidence of government support to help the companies maintain operations and repay debt. Uh, this involved 22 privately owned enterprises and 10 government-related entities. Uh, the earliest case we had was in 2015, shortly after the first public default took place in 2014, uh, when the government's attitude towards default and support has changed from the prior period. Okay, interesting. And so you, you started, I think you mentioned earlier on that the first public default was in 2014. So you started the, the time series shortly thereafter, and you've gone through 2022 year to date. Maybe just one quick follow up on this. So you found 32 cases in all, uh, most of them were privately owned entities. Uh, does your data support uh, the widely held view that government related entities are more likely to receive support than private sector firms in China? Um, while we have more POEs in our sample, I think this is not against the three consensus that governments have stronger incentives and more tools to support GIEs than POEs. Uh, because as you can imagine, governments are more likely to take actions before the problem becomes too big when dealing with important SOEs. 
So there is a higher chance of successful rescue versus POEs. And the purpose is, of course, not to trigger market concerns. So you'd imagine very limited information revealed to the public and picked up by us. And in fact, five of the total eight cases that successfully averted public default in our sample were government-related entities. Uh, the most high profile being China Huarong, with the others being among the largest local GREs in their respective regions. Aside from these five cases where we were able to track down the form of government support from the public domain, there have also been a number of GREs that averted default or fully repaid that due quickly after a credit incident uh, like Jilin Railway Investment and Development, which we believe were most likely aided by the government. Uh, however, there is no publicly available information on the extent or form of government support provided, so we didn't include them in our samples. If we take a step back, I guess one thing worth mentioning is that understanding government support is ultimately of interest to rating agencies and bond investors because it can help refine our views on whether some companies in financial distress might be able to rely on it to avoid default. In your analysis and in this piece, is it necessarily the case that being the beneficiary of government support will allow a firm to avoid default? Or did you find any evidence that some firms will default despite having received support from the government? Uh, well, among the eight cases that successfully averted public debt defaults, we found government support very effective in helping them to source funds for debt services or to regain or at least to stabilize funding access. Uh, but of course, this doesn't mean the beneficiary of support can always escape from defaults if the company's problem is too deep to fix. And in fact, 24 of the companies in our sample still ended up in default. Uh, we think this is because governments still need to weigh the availability of resources they have on hand against the adverse consequences of a corporate entity's default. It is more likely that the government will walk away despite having already provided some support if the distressed corporate's financial trouble is too deep and its default will entail minimal systemic. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when Sichuan Coal first defaulted in June 2016, the provincial government guided the flagship provincial LGAV to provide an entrusted loan to help repay an overdue bond. However, the company continued to default on other debt and was eventually reorganized. And we think this is because Sichuan Coal's leverage was too high to be safe. And besides, coal mining was not a key sector for the local economy. That's pretty fascinating. And, and I think that's really worth going over again and worth reiterating. So essentially, what you found is that local governments or other parts of the government apparatus uh, might initially come in and provide support to an entity. But similar to investors, they're learning information along the way about the health of this entity. And they could be midway through the process and realize that the financial troubles are just too deep and they could still walk away. And you did indeed find quite a number of examples that these entities uh, would end up in default regardless. Mm, yes, that's right. Oh, wow. OK, so that's that's an important takeaway, at least from my side of things. 
Let's pivot away from the data findings and talk a little bit about in incentives. I suppose at the end of the day, the government's decision to support a company in distress reflects a, a very complex calculation about economic, social, and political considerations. How would you, in your case study analysis, characterize the most common incentives for the government in China to provide support to distressed entities? I think it's hard to be proven by the detailed numbers, but generally speaking, our observation shows the most common incentives for government to provide support is to contain widespread systemic risk that could arise from an outright SOE default, especially on publicly issued debt, which could jeopardize the funding access of peers. Uh, and as well as to minimize the political repercussions from a high profile SOE default. Uh, meanwhile, social employment related issues are also important reasons for support, which could lead to serious uh, social unrest or political repercussion if not handled properly. Okay, so in your mind, systemic and containing systemic risk was number one, uh, the number one incentive. And, and could you just clarify a little bit for, for listeners, you seem to make a, a very clear distinction between public debt, publicly issued debt, and I guess that's in contrast to, to bank lending. So did you find a discernible difference uh, with in terms of desire to support entities that were perhaps only funded through uh, bank lending channels? Um, we think the Chinese government tends to place a higher priority on ensuring timely service of publicly issued bonds than on other forms of debt due to the rigid repayment terms and more information transparency due to requirements by the exchanges and regulators, and hence the greater risk of contingent among a default. And on the other hand, uh, bank loans are easier to roll over or can be renegotiated privately. I see. Okay, so because of the public disclosures required with publicly issued bond and other instruments, I guess that, that that increases the risk to spillovers to funding for other entities and possibility for, you know, more systemic issues. And so those those are the most sensitive from uh, from the government's perspective to support. Okay. Is there evidence uh, that the incentives for the government to provide support have evolved over time with, you know, perhaps some considerations that you mentioned becoming less of a priority in, in favor of others? Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, as we mentioned, government's tolerance for defaults has been widening, so it has also become more selective in providing supports. Uh, for example, we used to think Big employers are too big to fall for the government, as unemployment could lead to social unrest. Uh, however, as governments gained experience in redeploying employees during the supply-side reform, social and employment-related issues has become less critical in driving the extent and timeliness of support if the government has the confidence to avoid severe social disruption. And meanwhile, their defaults may not necessarily prevent corporates from performing basic social functions. As a result, we have seen more defaults by large SOEs in recent years, despite the large number of employees involved. That's pretty interesting. So I think if we go back some years, a lot of time employment considerations were a major factor. But what you're saying is that in your own analysis, this consideration has become less relevant for the government. And the justification in your mind is because local governments have gotten better at redeploying labor into other firms or other parts of the local economy? Mm, yes, I would say it remains an important consideration, but local governments have 
gain experience in coping with the associated risk and hence widen their tolerance. Interesting. I guess maybe related to this is uh, some policy developments, uh, I guess since around 2014, in an effort to reduce risks in the financial system and, and the use of implicit guarantees. Uh, in our observations, uh, you know, China has enacted a series of policy restrictions on the use of government support. I guess in your mind and based on your observations, you know, how has this has this evolving policy landscape led to changes in the way that the central or local governments go about providing support to the corporate sector? Uh, yes, the central government has become very cautious in controlling local government's leverage things around 2014. And one of the key guidelines is that debts of enterprises should not be repaid by local government except for some legacy debt recognized as hidden government debt raised by local government financial vehicles, uh, which is another big topic to discuss. And as such, physical support is usually provided for labor settlement or to ensure business continuity uh, rather than to help companies avoid default due to liquidity shortfalls. And instead, governments have relied more on market-based and administrative approaches to provide support in recent years. Thank you for that helpful background. Can you comment on the support channels that are most commonly used in distress situations? Are there any new trends worth highlighting or, or specific methods that seem to be more effective? Mm, yes. Our observation shows the most common and pragmatic approach for governments to support companies facing liquidity challenges uh, for both uh, government-related entities and POEs is to coordinate financial resources from banks. This works because banks are usually the largest creditors in China's bank-dominant financial system. Uh, there is a wider range in the form of government support for government-related entities versus POEs due to the direct ownership. Uh, for instance, local governments can direct other government-related entities under their remit to provide funding support for the distressed peers through entrusted loans or asset purchases. And another common channel to support government-related entities is through asset injections and transfers. We have also seen cases of local governments accelerating payment to liquidity-stressed SOEs through administrative means. Uh, for example, Kunming National Resources Bureau took back the idle land owned by Yunnan Health and Cultural Tourism Group's 40% owned subsidiary in April 2021 for $3 billion in cash. And media reported that part of the proceeds was upstream to the parent for bond repayment. In contrast, support for POs tend to come through more market-based channels, such as coordinating bank financing, uh, we just mentioned, and uh, helping to accelerate payment owed by the third parties and facilitating asset sales from the troubled companies. Okay, so I guess the couple takeaways for me, uh, one is that when there's bank funding involved, I guess, given the influence that local governments might have over banks and their respective jurisdictions, there's a little bit more flexibility to negotiate behind the scenes. And then the second one, which I guess is quite intuitive, is that for government-related entities, governments have a lot more flexibility, uh, given the ownership linkages, uh, to sort of make arrangements and to support uh, behind the scenes as well, especially compared to private-owned uh, private-owned entities. I guess maybe to, to to go forward and move into some some examples. I guess in the last year or so, there have been 
quite a number of interesting test cases of government support that garnered quite a lot of market attention and indeed quite a lot of debate. Uh, one area that it still remains very relevant is the property sector, which despite quite a number of defaults and ongoing market pressures, the government has generally refrained from bailing out some of these struggling developers. And on the other side of the spectrum is the case of China Huarong uh, in 2021, which you already mentioned, where government support ultimately did materi materialize. So uh, using the framework and some of the general principles we just discussed, would you mind walking us through a couple of these case studies and perhaps share a few thoughts on on why some of these cases did result in government support and, and in other examples did not? Um, as we mentioned, support is usually timely and sufficient to prevent a default when a systemic financial risk and the political repercussions are prominent. So in the case of China Huarong, the country's largest distressed asset manager, because global investors regard it as a systemically important entity, and thus a default by this company is likely to shake market confidence in China's financial stability and curtail funding access for many Chinese corporates and financial institutions. As a result, China Horror had maintained its debt service even when its access to debt capital market refinancing was severely curtailed in 2021. And the Ministry of Finance quickly introduced Citigroup as a strategic investor in March 2022 without any plan to reorganize the debt. On the contrary, local governments have been very cautious and uh, refrained from providing direct financial bailouts for troubled private home developers, despite the massive wave of defaults since mid-2021. We think this is because POE's defaults are unlikely to trigger systemic risk in the onshore market given their lower aggregate share of debt financing than government-related entities. And plus, political repercussion is likely to be small under the central government's policy stance that houses are for living, not for speculation. Um, but having said that, I think with the recent escalation of mortgage payment boycott, that could entail into larger risk. We do expect some pressure for policymakers to provide stimulus or liquidity support so as to ensure project delivery for social stability. Although the chances for direct bailout to uh, the home developers remains pretty small. Well, thank you for these, these interesting perspectives. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you one final question, and it's about a somewhat related topic uh, that you've also written about recently, but essentially the rising trend of SOEs acquiring or taking controlling stakes in private sector firms in China. Very aware that this is a major topic and there's a lot of uh, nuance um, that could be discussed here. And I understand that SOE acquisitions are actually one way of the government's pro providing support, as you mentioned with the case of Huarong, but it strikes me as it's probably not the only explanation for why we are seeing this trend of SOEs acquiring private firms. So would you mind sharing a few top sort of headline insights into why we are seeing this trend of SOEs uh, acquiring or taking large stakes in private-owned entities in China in, in recent years. Uh, yes, this is another interesting project we did this year. Uh, we've noticed a rising number of government-related entities taking over the controlling rights of listed POEs from less than 10 in 2017 to around 50 per year between 2019 and 2021. 
The first wave was prompted by bailouts on the broad liquidity tightening, uh, which caused financial distress for many POEs and their owners. Uh, but more recently, we have seen more SOEs aiming to acquire key technology and assets to assist with industrial upgrades and to obtain shares for backdoor listing under the guideline of big ownership reforms, uh, which require SOEs to boost asset securitization rate and the state capital return. Majority of the cases involve local SOEs in economically developed coastal regions. Again, uh, because governments in these regions are more sophisticated with uh, capital market operations and place greater emphasis on asset securitization in their SOE reform plan. And most of the acquired companies also have headquarters in these wealthy areas, likely because they have more vibrant private sectors and hence a greater number of publicly listed POEs. And sector-wise, SOEs mainly bargain hunts in sectors undergoing industry-wide down cycles, such as building renovation and pharmaceuticals, uh, while strategic investments often involve advanced manufacturing sectors, such as companies operating in the value chain of uh, new energy vehicles, renewable energy, semiconductor, and smart cities. Interesting. So really, really, there's a myriad of considerations, but commercial motivations have, in your analysis, are rising importance for, for uh, sort of explaining some of these trends. Yes, and also to support the government's plan to upgrade the industry and economic structure. Well, thank you very much for, uh, for those interesting insights. Uh, I'm very grateful that you took the time to, to join the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hope to join you next time. You've been listening to Fitch Ratings China Perspectives podcast. To learn more about our ratings and research on China, visit us at fitchratings.com. Please subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take care until next time.